Uh, this time around, I got filmmaker Drew Pearson joining us. Um, recently, he has uh, completed work on a documentary called Landfall. But before we get into uh, the particulars of the podcast, I got to do some business here first. Uh, recently, I've become an Onnit Labs affiliate. So if you want to order anything related to food or third party products such as uh, Blendtec blenders, Bulletproof coffee, MCT oil, Killer Bee honey, uh, chocolate, that sort of stuff, you can go to the everythingwentblackmedia.com site and click on the portal and then I'll take you over to Onnit Labs. And um, for those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while, will know that I'm a huge fan of most of their products, from the kettlebells, training DVDs, jump ropes, pull-up bars, protein powder. The Hemp Force Protein is one of my favorites. So I, you know, if you're interested in fitness or wellness, definitely go check them out. And if uh, you want to support the podcast, click through from my portal. And uh, like I said last time, our friends over at Clothing Arts, uh, P-Cubed Clothing, uh, if you want to get a discount with them, you can go to their site and type in EWB20 and get a discount on your order. Um, I just had my uh, P-Cubed pants on yesterday. I think I wore them for about seven or eight days in a row. So uh, yeah, you'll, uh, you'll be seeing me wearing those out on tour. So anyway, here we are, Drew Pearson. Hey, Mike. So Drew, you're, um, you're a New Jersey native. Yes, been New Jersey all my life. Uh, it'll be 28 years this Saturday. Um, we have that's why this whole film originated from being uh, happening in New Jersey, <laughs> and New Jersey taking the spotlight on uh, basically you know news for a good part of two weeks and uh, the news nationwide things. It developed a big story. Uh, my I came from. The storm where I was, I live in New Brunswick, New Jersey, near Rutgers University, and we had, uh, you know, we lost power for a week. I live in a big apartment building, you know, after a week or so, you get power back, and life comes back to normal, really. Um, but over the course of this storm, uh, and anyone that went through it, you're relying on basically your cell phone and social media to figure out what's going on. And so you're hearing, just even through it, you're seeing everything that happened, pictures, uh, even afterwards, all these relief groups that come up. And with me, it was like, what can I do uh, to help? You know, just my nature is I want to help. So I think that's just human nature as well. We all have kind of a responsibility to help each other just as human beings. And for me, it was like, I don't have money, so... I'm not gonna, you know, cut a check for an amount that's gonna make a huge difference, but um, I figured I got time and talent, so I wanna document it somehow. Um, started out doing that. We, um, fortunate enough to get out with uh, the governor when he toured. Governor Christie? Uh, yeah, Governor Christie. Um, when he toured uh, the destruction about a week and a half afterwards. And that, even to this day, is just, you know, surreal going through uh, some of the worst parts, like in now looking, uh, you're going down a two-lane street, which is now a single-lane dirt road, and on both sides of your vehicle, there's walls of debris and sand higher than the vehicle. So you're literally driving down through a trench that was dug out so you can get through. That's something most people have never had to witness firsthand. Now, now just to back up, we're uh, we're referring to uh, Hurricane Sandy uh, from almost a year ago at this point. The yeah. uh, November of, uh, of 2012. Yeah. So, uh, so this uh, landfall, the film that you're making, primarily is uh, focused on on the, the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, it's uh, specifically uh, Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Okay. Um, and I was getting into just how. I landed in Long Beach Island, and how the film became about, you know, their being a barrier island that they were, and a super strong community, they were able to really come together and kind of salvage, you know, this summer season, the big thing was, you know, getting back to normal, right. where everyone was like, oh, there's not going to be a summer at the Jersey Shore, 
or you know, even all the way up to Long Island. Um, but even you know, far parts is like you know, Rockaway. It's it, it's still you know, people are still living at twenty percent, and they had based on I mean, they were hit just as bad as anyone in some spots. Some spots they weren't hit just as bad. Um, so they had an opportunity, and um, with some community leaders, they got it together, and um, uh, they how the, how the film developed was I joined theirs an apparel company, and the surf skate apparel company down there named Jetty. Jetty. Yeah, Jetty, okay. and they've uh, they they ended up sponsoring the film, and uh, you know we developed a nonprofit that. Now a charitable arm of their apparel company, based on what they did after the storm, um, and you know I reached out to them because they were part of this. Uh, they had a roundtable in New Jersey and New York with uh, surfer John Rose. Okay, and he uh, he's behind Waves for Water, which is super international five hundred one c three charity. Um, if anyone. Is interested in what they do. They do great things. Well, all did, over the what world. kind of stuff do they do? Are they typically involved in? He he travels the world. Okay. Um, mainly uh, disaster relief is really his thing. You know, when uh, <clears throat> Haiti was hit um, a couple of years ago, he was down there, and uh, he's also doing a lot of initiatives where just getting clean water to places like that. Um, that's what he's behind, and. Um, you know, when something like this happens in his backyard, he just had to, he's like, I'm staying in New York, you know. Uh, he's out in California, but he's like, I'm going to be here for a while, you know, see this through. And he's got this kind of blueprint and structure for disaster relief. Because like you said earlier, you know, many people, especially here. <laughs> yeah, you can't even fathom that sort of thing. Yeah, like hurricane destruction, you just kind of like. That's like a, you know, some like third world country like uh, you know plight that we never have to deal with you know yeah, I know like even specifically like last year when I was even for me I mean I, you know nothing remotely like you know what the Jersey Shore got hit with but yeah I, I got out of pretty much unscathed but the uh, you know the sort of getting in and out of the city is like this really creepy like post-apocalyptic kind of vibe you know but nothing was really destroyed in you know, my day-to-day life. Everything was pretty much normal, really. There was no floods. I didn't lose any property. Or, you know, I was just inconvenienced, basically. You know? I had to like, take a ferry to get to work instead of subways. But you know, once, once all the reports started coming back from the Jersey Shore and parts of Long Island and South Brooklyn and you know, Rockaways, then you started really understanding um, just the... the, the the depth of how the storm has affected people's lives and, and how, um, you know, just, you know, families, everything people have owned was like washed away, washed away to sea in some cases, you know? Yeah. Like the, this water damage is, you know, some of the worst damage that you can have. You only need just a little bit, even, you know, structurally you get six inches of water. You don't attack that right away. Yeah. <laughs> you can lose your whole building. Well, also, you know, there's a the FEMA reports that uh, now this is going to be like almost an annual thing where storm, tropical storm severity is going to be increasing and becoming more frequent. Like, you know, Sandy was like a 100-year storm, but now 100-year storms, that's that level of, of devastation is going to happen like on an you know, annual basis now. Yeah, and we're not used to that here. No. <clears throat> I mean, you know, we get the annual brush of like, oh, this one's going to actually come up and might do something. Yeah. The big thing with, you know, down the shore was we had Irene the year before, and it was a dud. So people were like, eh, you know, I'm just going to stick it out. And this one came so fast. Yep. It was, and the big thing was the swell that just happened, and people were just stuck. Yeah. And, I mean, luckily, you know, a lot of people didn't lose their lives. Yeah. Which was, you know, the good thing, but people lost their livelihood, though. Or yeah, that's the heaviest thing about it too. Is like you know, even though you make it out of the storm, the immediate danger of that, the impact is something that might might affect you for years to come. Like you know, your ability to provide for your family and yourself. You know. Yeah, I mean, I know an example. I know a family, uh, just a mother and a son. <clears throat> His uh, he just graduated high school, 
this year going to college. And they since the storm they've moved four times. So not only are they paying, you know, their rent where they have to live, but their home is damaged more than fifty percent, so they have to demolish it. Ugh. But they can't afford to. Wow. So it's like how more how what double edge can you get? Isn't there any some sort of you know FEMA relief or you know a fund for that sort of stuff or? And I, well, I mean that kind of ties back into why we did the film right. a bit. Um, <clears throat> I mean FEMA's there. You know they I think they kind of cleaned up shop end of March I think it was beginning of March or end of March, um, and they'll and they they do provide for you know if you're staying in a place. Um, Due to you can't live in your home, right? You know, they'll pay rent for that, you know, but only up until a certain point, you know, that runs out. And you know, you have a laundry list of things that you need to check off to apply and be able to get it. And the crazy thing about that was, is you know, I think they're cutting checks, you know, at like a two-week basis, okay, or 15 days, I think it was. And if you're staying in a hotel, you don't find out until day 14, really, unless you, if you're going to make the next wave. Oh, wow. So you, you literally get like 24 hours notice, like you're not getting a check. Oh. Like, <laughs> and it's like, I mean, there are tons of, I don't know how people like put up with situations like this. And so basically, you know, tying it back to the film, uh, you know, the film kind of, revolves around this company, Jetty, and they kind of led this community relief effort. Um, they kind of, they stopped being a business, basically, producing clothes for, you know, two months, and they were just this charitable arm where they made a relief t-shirt, you know, went viral, made a huge amount of money, and just started immediately pumping it back in to the community, you know. How can you, uh, they have Twitter and, like, you know, website and all that sort of yeah, stuff? Yeah, you know, Twitter, Facebook, and that was, that was how anything got out around the shore, you know, because they didn't have power for weeks. Um, and it was all social media. And, you know, everyone was, everyone wanted to help. How can we help? You know, buying a t-shirt house. So that's how it took off. And But, you know, they're doing the right thing. And, you know, giving it back, you know, first aid, uh, you know, luckily most first aids are 501c3s. And it's the whole legal, you know, charity thing where you can't, and even, you know, what they were doing, you know, legally couldn't really do, just write checks to people. Um, so they ended up having to go through, you know, fire departments, right. volunteer fire departments. Um, and that's where Ways of Water came in. Uh, they worked with a lot of other groups along the coast in being this middleman third party where you could raise money and give it to them, being a 501c3, and then with the understanding that it would spit back into your community when a necessary place needed it. Um, because obviously, as everyone knows, you know, Congress's huge contribution to this didn't really get no. uh, the fastest yeah. pipeline to uh, where it needed to be. And even then, you've got, it goes, you know, municipalities and you have to wait for... Um, there's a red tape and all this other yeah. stuff associated. There's an application process. Yeah, yeah there's like a whole, you know... It's, there's nothing that... Government work. You know? <laughs> and so our idea behind the film was let's... You know, I approached them and said, let's make a film that when people see it, you're... The people that you see in the film, you're helping. When you buy your ticket, you know, you're... We had screenings all summer, and that 20 bucks you paid to see it all goes to everyone in the film. You know, it's going directly back to people in need. And... It's also kind of, on a big way, trying to transform the way you see movies and go to movies. Is you know I like to see it as you know you go see a movie on Friday night and you know do you want to go see the blockbuster for seventeen bucks or you have a choice to go see a documentary that one hundred percent of your ticket goes back to helping those people and just going the simple thing is entertaining you go to a movie. Is helping out someone who desperately needs it. So, what was the uh, the whole production, you know, timetable with all this stuff? Like from you know, 
Because, I mean, we're only looking at a year and seeing you've got this film, you know, filmed, posted, and it's out within like, you know, eight months or something like that. Yeah, it, it, was, it was crazy. It was kind of blurred because <clears throat> I did everything from, uh, you know, film it. I had huge help from uh, my friend Nick who helped me shoot and, you know, shoot, not even shoestring budget. Yeah. Um, and it was a matter of, yeah, we need to get this out right away. Uh, initially, we wanted to do Memorial Day weekend because that's, you know, sure. quote unquote, the start of the summer, yeah. especially for shore communities. And that, that didn't happen. We didn't meet that <clears throat> um, just because it wasn't ready. It wasn't at a point where it needed to be. But, um, you know, it's better to have something that's going to live on forever be right than yeah, exactly. to make a date. But, um, yeah, it was all, it was, you know, every day I was just kind of commuting down there. And we had uh, the producer having the project, uh, Kareen Ruff. She was tremendous. She's an actual resident on the island. Oh, okay. And she, uh, you know, she put up with me for a long time. And let me stay there some nights too when it made sense to. Um, and you know she had all the connections and was able to really coordinate all these interviews. That was extremely helpful to get it together in such a short amount of time. Uh, and, and then we really shot up until we were finished editing. The editing process was just continuous and. So you you were shooting like inserts like while you guys were editing. And yeah, yeah. Sort of it was basically let's interview all these people, um, make the best of my time down there and shoot some stuff when we can. But then the editing process is we develop this narrative and we see what kind of holes we need to fill. We're getting there as we go along, and then if we need any big things towards the end, we can get that too and easily just drop it in. And, and then um, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, it, it was not not easy. <clears throat> so the screenings that you had, had they were they were in, you know, theaters, and it was like a, a, an experience of going into a movie theater and watching this thing. Was that basically how... Uh, yeah, most of them took place either on the island or in the immediate area. Okay. Uh, right now, I mean, we're still, we, you know, put it out there in June, and we're still, you know, using this in the new two months to try and get it further out in the state, I think it really hits home. New Jersey or New York, you know, people that come down for vacations during the summer, even been to the shore, you know, it can resonate with them. Um, but I also think it can resonate, you know, for someone in Oklahoma with the tornadoes they have yeah, during the summer. Definitely, yeah. You know, it's also a movie that can say, hey, we're a community, here are some resources we can grab to kind of take hold of this disaster and just chop away at it and that's kind of really what it's about is something devastating happens to you and you need something to come in and say all right you know i know a and b are really bad but we got to take care of a first it's you know we've got a you've got mold in your house and you know your, your roof's damaged you got to take care of the mold first and then you can approach the roof when that's necessary so it's also a part of that and also motivating communities to say, hey, we can do this by helping each other out and not by kind of getting on each other's throats. And, um, but also you know, there's help out there. People, I think a lot of people are also a little reserved to ask for help. I think everyone is guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. Like Absolutely. Yeah. No one wants to really feel like they need help. But you're in need, you're in need. You shouldn't be ashamed of that. That's a big uh, ego play that a lot of people, it's a hard thing to get over, especially the more you need help, actually. It seems like the more dire the circumstance, the more resistant to asking for help people get. You know? And that's like, uh, you know, having been involved, you know, living through like two sort of major occurrences here in the tri-state area, like back to like 9-11, I remember how you know, everyone you know, thought there was going to be a lot of major, you know, like looting and riots and stuff like that. But people actually got a lot cooler in New York City, even if it was just for a couple of weeks or a couple of months afterwards, and they just got became cunts again. You know, but people were were a lot cooler to each other around that time. You know, 
Yeah, and that's like a big thing is uh, that's definitely what they're experiencing now <clears throat> is, you know, silver lining is you knew people who you didn't know before yep. and how cool they are. And even the fact that these people, everyone needed help down there, but they were just stepping up and saying, what can I do to, to help? And, you know, you can ask for help and help at the same time. It's, it's, not, it's not rocket science. Um, but it, it's definitely, you know, you have to look at it as even though there are disasters, there are going to be great things that you learn from it and that come out of it. And uh, the film was just something that we could, we, you know, chronicle their story, really. And there were, I think, some people down there that even up until seeing the film really couldn't grasp what happened and still had a tough time dealing with what they went through. Um, but, you know, kind of smushing it into 90 minutes was almost therapeutic and kind of said, all right, we went from A to B. And Have you... Um you know, looked into that, making this film available for like, you know, video on demand or, you know, iTunes or stuff like that too. Is there like tons, it seems like documentaries are like, there's millions of documentaries around there now. And this seems like, you know, especially since it's 90 minutes, you know, it's like a full length, you know. Yeah. And that's like, that's been the big <clears throat> discussion I think now with, especially, you know, films like this, it's, yeah, it goes as far as you take it. So, you know, we have, you know, DVD and Blu-rays, but you know, it's also how far can you get it out there? You know, that's that's a dying you know, yeah. medium. Yeah, definitely. And it's, some people still are there, but the way things are going, it's on demand. And I mean, I was even just having a conversation about you know, film festivals and kind of a bigger trend is uh, digital film festivals are getting more popular. So Digital film festivals, what do you mean? Like, um, uh, you know, it's as easy as someone will create a site and have, like, you know, it's the Digital Media Film Festival. Okay. Um, doesn't necessarily happen on a certain two-week basis. You know, there's not the big gala or events like that, but strictly just a compilation of important films that people should see and the platform to reach more people. And so they'll say, like, oh, you know, we're doing this film on demand for a month, and they'll just push that. And, you know, they'll, you know, they'll call it a film festival. It's a, oh, it's, it's a loose term. You, yeah. know, you could show a film in your basement and call it a film festival. But it's, you know, they go from that to, you know, Tribeca, Sundance, South by Southwest, they, the big ones. Um, but I think it's also, as you said, you know, documentaries are cheaper to make. Yeah, there's no actors and none of that yeah. sort of, you know. But I also think, you know, like the quality of stories being told. Yeah, there's a lot of dodgy stories. There's a lot of really shoddy work out there when it comes to documentaries. Yeah. But there's a lot of them and they all seem to somehow get their fair, you know, shaky things, you know. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's the, that's the shitty thing is, you know, people have, uh, it's politics also in the film festival world. But um, I also think it's, you know, through things like this, through podcasts like this, you can push a film and say, hey, you know, if you go here to our site, you can watch the film. So now, leading into that, where, <laughs> what, what's your site address? How can people check this out? Uh, the site is landfallfilm.com. Landfallfilm.com. Um, right now, we're only selling uh, DVDs and Blu-rays, mm -hmm. but the plan is to have it on demand at some point. And again, like going back to the whole film festival thing, it's... If you put it on demand, like you're choosing that as your avenue to put it out there. And so we're still presently waiting to hear from film festivals. So to not be disqualified from some of them, you have to wait oh, a little bit. You, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. you can't, you know, film festivals want their exclusivity for that. Um, but also, you know, it's also the type of film that I think eventually it's, that's the way to go. And it should be a kind of a word of mouth and people will see that. Oh, I want to see that. And, you know, they'll throw four or five bucks at it to watch it digitally. So I, I got to tell you, this in the last week, I've, uh, you know, video on demand three films. You know, I've, I've uh, just through iTunes, I've rented three films just in the last four days. Um, and that's up from 
like a year ago, I wasn't doing anything like that. I, I mean, I had Netflix, you know, it was a subscription-based thing, but, you know, I, I, I was thinking, like, you know, I have iTunes, it's cool to, like, play music on it, but I never really embraced renting anything off of iTunes until, until like, the last, like, you know, several months. But, yeah, just in the last five days, I yeah, rented, like, three films, so. <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, like, that's the way it's going, I think, uh, and, like, the business side of things, like the whole Netflix, iTunes, Amazon, is, is tough to get on for a film right. like this. You know, it's, it's it's a money thing, like to pay an aggregator to get on those things. The money that you would have to put out for marketing it, you know, you end up having people that would see it, buy it, based on the percentage that you would get back from revenue. It's like you, breaking even would be almost like beyond an expectation. Yeah, and I, I can relate to that, man. It's but like, there's also, you know, Vimeo on the name. You know, they've got a great split of revenue and that's what it is. Simply, Wait, did you say Vimeo? Yeah. Oh, really? They have, they have an on-demand. Yeah, they have an on-demand and it's uh, a 90-10 split. Oh, wow. You get 90%, Damn. I think it's 10. And like, it's as simple as that. Huh. You know, it's as simple as just uploading that's, I mean, that's the way to go for a film like this, yeah. in my opinion. You do that, and, you know, you're, you, the sky's the limit. You can get it out there as much as you can, and people are just going to, you know, for lack of a better term, throw money at it. But it's also, I like, you know, the integrity of this film is that everything it's making, you know, I'm, I'm not seeing a cent of it. You know, yeah, it's no, one's, no one's profiting off of it, because... You know, the story we tell, you can't just, you can't profit off of something no. like that. I mean, no. Yeah, like in a karmic sort of way, you know, like getting a, some sort of personal gain off of that kind of energy, I don't think it really did mm-hmm. for any, any of the individuals really. Yeah, yeah, that. no. And I mean, and we've, you know, almost created a whole new business model for something like this, for, you know, a nonprofit, uh, even with music. You know, we've got a lot of bigger bands and also you know, these smaller local bands to contribute to music because it's not profit. So we're going to have to pay music licensing fees. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've got people from the Dirty Heads to the Brigantine and the Lonely Biscuits who are, you know, local New Jersey bands. Right. And that's just great having local bands from New Jersey back this homegrown story that just, you know, just is all about, it's just goodness. <laughs> That's flowing from it. So, how did you get started in making films? Like, well, that's like some of the some of the questions that you know I have personally. You know, I know you and I have worked together on some projects here, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, did you, you go to school for it? Because a lot of people these days, it seems like just pick up cameras and start shooting. And, you know. Yeah, and it's you know I think it's well where I started from. I started uh, you know middle school, high school. Um, just, I remember in middle school, just if there was a book report, I always asked to do a movie because I had to do the book report. Right. And I would do a video on it. Um, granted, they were, they were crappy, but it was, that was the start of, you know, doing videos. And why not? If that's, you know, you're better at making a video than writing a paper, make a video. Um, and that translated, you know, into high school and, um, my good friend and I, my best friend and I, we, you know, began shooting sports at Princeton University. Um, I grew up in Ewing, which is next door to Princeton. And I even went to the college of New Jersey. That's down the street from where I grew up almost. And, uh, went to their, I, their communications program has TV, radio and film. So, you know, I got your basic, uh, undergrad introduction to TV, radio, and film. And, um, knew at the time during college, I had the time and the tools to create films of my own to help me once I graduated. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize that the present situation that they're in benefits you taking advantage of an opportunity. And that, you know, people are super blind to opportunity. And you know, because it's once you graduate, what do you have to show other than, you know, you have a degree, but in a world like film, yeah, you know, a resume, I, 
I just touched my resume and it was probably the first time in four years. Yeah, it's probably just, you know, real, like what you the work you've yeah, done. Yeah, it's what you've that's done and what you can show. So yeah. if you're going to do something in college that's going to dictate your next step, make something that's going to propel you for someone to say, all right, you know your stuff. Is the documentary format something that you um, initially were drawn to or do you want to do more like, you know, sort of like stories or fiction, you know, that sort of stuff? I actually, yeah, I actually started out uh, wanting to do narrative, uh, you know, short films in college, all narrative stuff. I took a documentary class and did one <clears throat> where I, I was on the rowing team there and I did one on the rowing team because that was what I knew and what was in front of me and <clears throat> it worked out. And I actually wrote a couple of feature scripts in college just on my own just got credit for them because I was so like into narrative and wanted to really just creatively, you know, get something out of paper. It's, it's writing. And even growing up, uh, music was actually my first, uh, my first love, I guess. And wanted, what I wanted to do for a career ultimately. And after, you know, I was all set, I changed majors a lot and, I was all set to be a music major and I did everything but audition and then I went to uh, Berkeley up in Boston oh, for a really? summer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Spent a summer up there wow. and did, you know, you do full-time classes for a summer session and I even wanted to transfer there at one point and, but then I realized, you know, playing music, I just wanted to play. I didn't want to, I didn't want to teach it or have a degree to teach it. I didn't want to have a, degree to perform it. Um, if I wanted to play, I was going to play on my own terms right. and make it that way. I didn't even know you played instrument. Yeah, play well, guitar. Really? <laughs> yeah, I went for jazz guitar up there too. So it was uh, self-taught, um, self-taught a lot of things. Um, so, and, you know, having this film thing kind of going on, um, secondary to music, I got into college and it was like, whoa, you know, I can, and you know, having a heavy art background too, like graphic design was mixed into those majors. And in high school, I was very art heavy. And film is one medium where all of that can be kind of smushed into one thing. And you know, <clears throat> in college, it's like, well, I don't have to worry about music clearances for music, I'll just do it myself. So I did the music to my own films in college. Really? Yeah. And, you know, just simple kind of garage band stuff. But, you know, I just sit there for six hours at night, you know, wait until I played it perfectly. And, like, yeah. you know, got it in time. And, you know, it was, some of it was pretty good. But, I mean, I knew ultimately I couldn't keep on doing that for, you know, like Landfall. I didn't, I didn't play any music on that. Um, but the two films that I have done, um, I've had professional scores do it. And I've had probably the best relationship with them mm -hmm. because having, you know, being sympathetic to music. Yeah, understanding goes, the process and yeah, all that sort of stuff. Understanding the process, you know, knowing what kind of tones would work out. Yeah. Uh, what's the feeling of this? You know, even giving direction on, you know, when you're trying to think of this, think of it as, you know, this is the lowest point of the film. Mm -hmm. um, so this should be the saddest tone. And, you know, even for them, those are markers to build off of on other parts. And we actually had two uh, film scorers who uh, lived in the area score the film. So the film's just very... Uh, it's got that sort of homegrown, like... Uh, yeah, mobile. and that's... I really wanted it to be homegrown. You know? yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want it to be, like, a, somebody who works in New York, uh, you know, trying to come in. Yeah. And, Profit off you guys' story because you know, as an island, they're a tight group. They're sure, a tight man. group, and you know, to get in there was I was very fortunate to just get in, and very I think the whole mission of the film really brought um, made people open up more about it, wanted to tell our story because they knew it wasn't just you know it wasn't A and E trying to come in and yeah. do a TV special on. You know, I noticed some bigger programs came in and did some 
did good things, you know, they, you know rebuilding restaurants, rebuilding homes for people. But, you know, they're also, they're making millions off that. But, you know, but that's the industry. It's people got to work, people got to make money. Um, but I don't think we would have gotten the material that we got and the stories that we got uh, going that route. Being, you know, it's just me walking in and, hey, I want to make a movie about you guys. So what's the next step for this thing now? What's, uh, what's on the horizon now? Uh, for this, it's it's getting out there, like I said, right near from film festivals. Right. That could be a good thing. Could be, could be nothing. Um, I think you know it's, it rings bells all over this area. I think anyone who lives here can resonate with it and would want to see it. It's um, I want to see it go as far as it can go, but like I said, I think it's anyone in the world can watch it. And I think relate um, in their own terms. Maybe they don't know um, Longwood Challenge, New Jersey, or they don't know Hurricane Sandy, uh, but they might know something else that they can relate it to. I mean, how many movies have we seen that we can't specifically relate to that specific story? Yeah. Even just narrative fiction, you know? Um, even books, you can read something and be like, oh, I, you know, I think a lot of people. I think that's how we understand is we just relate our realities to either a fictional reality or if somebody has a documentary on something like, oh, you know, that's inspiration can spring from that too. Uh, but, you know, next steps is just get it out as much as we can. So I think, you know, anyone that listens to this, uh, like I said, we don't have it digitally now, but if, you know, landfallfilm.com, if you go there and just, uh, if you go to their contact there, it emails me directly. So, you know, shoot me an email, you know, tell me that you listen to the podcast and I have no problem sending you the film, you know, if you want to see it and just, you know, help out. Uh, Is there a trailer that, you know, can you yeah, check out a trailer on that? Oh. They're on the site. That's all right on the site too. Okay. Um, it's, you know, if you Google search it or just go straight to the page, it's there. And there's also, you know, there's a cool t-shirt there too. People want to buy. Everyone loves t-shirts. Everyone loves t-shirts, <laughs> and it's all like honestly, it's a it's a good t-shirt. It's it's also like the t-shirts are very eco-friendly too, from threads down to the ink, and that's all you know. Jetty made them too, so this is you know their product that um, is also going to help raise money too. Money from t-shirt goes to it. Anything landfall related just generates money for this nonprofit that we created. It's just going to go further to help people. So if anyone listens to this and wants to spread the word, you're just going to be helping. It's, that Vimeo thing is interesting. I, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, I think it's it's probably, you know, talking about it, it's like we probably just should have, if, you know, we have something in place to push it out there, you know, if I could probably see in the future that, hey, if you do that now, it's going to be this well. Has it, have a lot of people started uh, getting on board with that? Because I, I had no idea that even existed. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's it's very under the radar. Like, you, you know, you, you didn't know about it. I didn't really know about it until last year. And I think it's kind of catching on because this field of movies that don't really have money or distribution is popping up. And the thing about it is, you know, people are paying out of their own pockets, so... They want to make sure that if they're pushing the film, they make some on it or make their money back, uh, rather than you know paying big distributors to push it out and selling you know their shares in the film and having them break in the value of it. Um, I think it's very just filmmaker centered, where it also gives it an environment the film does as well as the film is. So, you know, that, that's something that's unique to this whole new uh, sort of paradigm of creativity that we're involved in now. I mean, you know, music, film. I mean, one, one of the most profound things was how, you know, Louis C.K. put out his comedy special, I think, a couple of years ago or a year ago. It's like $5 download for his comedy special, and he made, like, some insane amount of money. Because, uh, you know, sure, some people are going to, you know, pirate it. But most people paid the five bucks. You know, that's a reasonable amount of money, man, to get that level, you know, an hour plus of, like, comedy. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in general, like, 
you're, you probably have the same sort of, um, you know, conflicts that being in a band, like, you know, dealing with labels and distribution and whatnot. In a world where having, like, material distribution of something is less and less significant, you know. So I think this whole idea of just putting something out to the universe and getting a return on it, I think, is, like, kind of a new, a new thing, you know. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's... <clears throat> I like with this film is like there really doesn't have to be a return on it. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. It is, and I mean, and that's, I think that's a special case because obviously, you know, being, you know, if you're doing music or in a band, you know, I've, I've been there too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of the starving artist thing, you've, doing, being an independent filmmaker, you're, you gotta scrape by. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you're waiting for, <clears throat> you know, everyone talks about that big break, but, you know, there's there's nothing wrong as with putting out decent, substantial, uh, gritty content that people will enjoy. And you know, re- return doesn't have to be monetary. No, definitely not. And I think you know, it's not. It definitely hasn't been with this film. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you guys are it's it's unique in the sense that it's a it's a you know charity, you know. But but that sort of philosophy, you know, cutting the middle the middleman. Yeah. And not having to uh, yeah. depend on someone who's not necessarily emotionally involved in it. You know, some third party who shows up every day, punches the clock, and your client number, you know, 908 or whatever, and they just do their job and go home. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like that, keeping this sort of in house like vibe to the whole thing, I mm-hmm. think is a really cool paradigm that, you know, other media can, can enjoy that, you know? Yeah, and I think it's real grassroots, and it's gonna, you know, it's. <clears throat> the digital age is really becoming very, you know, self-explanatory. It's digital. Yeah. It's there's this platform out there that once it's out there, it's just out there yep. for people to take and enjoy. And if they're gonna pay for it, cool. Um, you know, it's it's really. I would love to see it. You know, rival. You know, Big Brother in distribution on things. I mean, obviously, it's when you're at a certain level, like you, you need those things like distribution, and you need a hundred people to work on things like that. But right. do you need that to get out there? No, it's as easy as you know, uploading something to Vimeo. Well, you ever, you ever see that? Um, was it Epic Meal Time? You know what that is? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know. I was. I took a plane. <laughs> I, I was on a flight to LA one time, and there was. Um, you know, they had it on the, it was, I forgot, it was Virgin, Virgin Airlines. That was the, uh, in line, one of the inline choices for, for watching movies. Right? <laughs> so I was like sitting, my bass player was sitting next to me, and he knew all about it. So he was like, go check that out, check out that in the old time. And that was basically a bunch of guys just with putting a YouTube channel together and tweeting about it. And now, like, they have a book coming out and all this other crazy stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, people get, things take off in that platform and it's you know I mean like geez I'm trying to think of like what other channels out there that people just have you can I mean Funny or Die is a channel itself what is it called? Funny or Die Funny or Die it's a YouTube channel it's not a YouTube channel it's basically a website okay Um, I I believe I think Will Ferrell started oh wow Um, but you know it's you know these things that have these giant, you know, look at, you know, celebs do these hilarious videos. Uh, and, you know, people keep checking back for more things like that. And, you know, it, it takes off. I mean, Grant, you know, there's money that went into it. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's a company, but it's, it's a TV channel on the internet. That, that's the wave of the future, though, man. I mean, yeah. it's just like every, soon it's going to just be, you know, ABC app you know, AMC app on your phone. If you want to get involved with them, you just download their app, you know, and it's, you're just going to be able to watch anything whenever you want. You yeah, know? exactly. Like it's, it's moving that way anyway. That's, you know, it's the way of the future, really. Yeah, I mean, like, how many people follow a TV show now that they watch at the regular time that's on TV? I, I yeah, <laughs> never. I mean, I always just watch it, you know, whenever no, I can. Either, I mean, like, they're not DVR on it, you're going to the website and yep. you're watching it whenever you want it. Well, I like what Netflix is doing with some of their um, content where they'll, they'll just release the whole season in one shot and you can just knock it out 
you just bang it out in like a couple of nights or whatever, just if you're really into it, you know. Yeah, and that's like, you know, they're leading the way with that, with doing, even their, and you know, they're generating that material of their self. Yeah. With that's, that's the cool thing, you know, they're not taking a show that's already syndicated and taking that, uh, putting it on Netflix. They're, it's an original, they're making it and saying, all right, it's done, here it is. And you just watch it whenever you want. And I think uh, that happens with, you know, films too. It's just they take a whole lot longer to, get out and make, but I mean, I, I think that also goes to who's behind it, how fast they work, where, you know, what, I put a lot of hard drive into finishing this thing, and I mean, it's, I don't, if someone told me I was gonna edit a feature <laughs> documentary, nonetheless, uh, you know, in three months or so, I'd be like, and what would, <laughs> What do I plan on doing outside of that? <laughs> I, I didn't do anything outside of it, but <laughs> I did finish it. So yeah, it was a uh, skills uh, wise. It helped me a lot. It really just exponentially shot me and getting to know your craft. And, oh yeah, you know, even, you know, even with music and touring, you know, it's yeah, just nailing stuff down. Yep, you know, get the more in, you know. That's always been my. Uh, the way I like to do things, you know, I have like very little natural ability. I just jump into things and you know, sink or swim and just learn or you don't learn and pass or fail, you know. Yeah, I would much rather someone say, here's a camera, like, this figure is what we're looking for, <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. And yeah, I'll, I could, you know, I, I'd love to do that. I'm, when people, you know, stay like, you know, watch your step, I'm just kind of saying, <laughs> I jump two feet first and don't even think about it. That's awesome. And you just kind of figure it out, you know. It's, you're putting yourself in that situation where like, all right, now I have to get myself out of it, you know, for lack of a better term. But in figuring to get yourself out of it, you're also putting yourself ahead. The thing that that, kill, that, that gets me is, is it's like the, the, the time frame that this whole thing came together too. You know, it's like a 90-minute film. You know, it's like you, you know, had, and correct me if I'm wrong, you had, you had produced something of that magnitude prior no, to this. not at all. Not yeah. even close. I did a short documentary before it. Right. And, you know, that... I could I took my time on that, but yeah. that was only 40 minutes. Yeah. And that was still... When I was doing that, that was monumental. So yeah, because for 40 minutes, how much? How many hours of footage yeah. do you have? You I know? mean, you're thinking there, you've got your footage and editing, and you're like, well, how the heck am I going to keep someone involved for 40 minutes? Yeah, exactly. And then with this, you're like, 90? Yeah. <laughs> and it... it we were able to do it, you know, we had the content, so, and just with what I've been doing with editing and, you know, just working that narrative arc over and over and over, you get a sense of what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, coming from, you know, the movie trailer promo, short, very high octane, short amount of time, you know, peripheral eye candy mm -hmm. world, you know, you're stuck with, all right, now you got 90 minutes, so like, I can do it. So outside of the sports stuff you've done, you primarily have been working in trailers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly trailers. But, I mean, you know, that... I've done a couple other things with music, a couple of music videos. And, but it's all short form. Yeah, it's of, all short form. Quick, yeah. And, you know, music videos. Yeah, just get it all done in two and a half minutes. Exactly. You know, whatever, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But in terms, yeah, in terms of develop, like creating the story yourself from scratch... I mean, you've captured the story, but you're weaving that essence of, uh, you're essentially creating the lens that the audience is going to watch the story through, this filter that someone's going to watch something through. Um, you know, like it's, if you're doing, laying down a guitar track on something, it might be something different to somebody else, but you know, if you add distortion and some kind of effect to it yeah. takes on all different meaning. Yeah, so for the listener, they're only hearing that final product. Yeah, they're not hearing all the iterations that you yeah. went through. Yeah, that, that's a lot. Like I mean, I know we're we're like the band Tombs. We're pretty much done writing our next album. So just past weekend, we made a demo of all the material. And uh, you know, just yesterday, I was like kind of reviewing everything, listening back to stuff, and I was thinking about how the version that 
we're at even at this point is almost 180 degrees different than the way mm-hmm. where we started at, you know, yeah. and just like that constant grind of month after month of just refining things and keeping things yeah. moving forward, you know, and then I'm sure, you know, and even from the demos to like when the album comes out next year, it's going to be complete, you know, you're going to, you won't even be hearing the way those songs existed for almost, you know, a year plus before you got a chance to listen to it on the, on the album, you know. Yeah, There's exactly. many different, you know, past lives those songs had before you actually, you know, got that sort of final defining manifestation of it. Yeah, and we've got, I mean, the same with, you know, the film we had, we have tons of footage. Sure. I mean, I could have filled up, like, a five-box DVD set of, yeah. it's raw <laughs> you footage. know, just, just these raw yeah. stories from start to finish. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have time for that, so we didn't do it. Um, yeah, also, I mean, you know, that, that's, that's a pretty, you know, that, that's a commitment, man. Exactly. You watch I mean, all that stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I spent all of March just going through all the interviews and pulling what I thought was relevant yeah. from them. And even then, you're pulling, you know, you do a 30-minute interview, you're probably pulling maybe five minutes. Sure. But Final Cut, you're using 30 seconds if they're uh, lucky, <laughs> if they're like a hot shot in the film. Yeah. Um, but also, like, going back on what you were saying, you also, doing all those versions, you get numb to the material. Yeah. And it's hard for you to listen to it. Objectively. Or, yeah, and like really take on the feeling from, watch, you know, you're watching a scene, you can, I mean, you know, I can watch the movie now and I'm totally just like immune to it. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, you show it to all these people that see it for the first time and with editing, that's kind of, you know, the question I ask yourself, you know, is, all right, not knowing anything about this, going from point A to point B, does this make sense? Yeah, because I guess your brain, like your mind draws connections between things that you're doing some work because of your familiarity with it, but someone who doesn't understand any of the material, what are they seeing? Like, what's their what's their story that they're taking away from the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. And, it could, and it's totally different. And I, I, I think a good thing is to, you know, you have to be solid and concrete about the story and film that you do, and I totally, yeah, 100% stand by it. It's, final product we made but you also it's it's nice to leave a little open to sure to make it subjective like you know people can take away what they want from it and I think that's the beauty in like anything creative whether it's I mean you know painting your own music film whatever you want to do it's I mean essentially you know people will say you know it's art is you kind of draw your own conclusions and you know it's there's no right or wrong way to look at it. Yeah. It's just something that just came from somebody's mind and was inspired by another thing, and maybe that inspires the next greatest thing. So, I mean, that's just this never-ending circle of awesomeness that <laughs> spawns from just doing something that you just want to do without somebody, you know, without this, these, without handcuffs or and that's what the film was. It was just, you know, an idea that started with and had just ran with it. And you get to a point where you become a little responsible to deliver. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, like, hey, you're in it now, so you got the opportunity. So, like, why? Like, are you going to be... Another thing I ask myself and just anything you do, especially the films that I make, is... You know, when you're at the end of the film and it's like credits rolling, are you going to regret like a frame choice that you made or an edit or, you know, you don't want something to be off just a little bit because you'll kind of cringe when you look at it again. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure like even with, you know, past albums that you've done. singing vocals, like singing, I can't even listen to my voice sometimes. Yeah, it's like you look back you're like, ah. Words, like lyrics, like. Ridiculous, like douchey lyrics, you just get these chilled sometimes. Yeah, I can't. Exactly. Yeah, definitely, I know what you're talking about. But it almost pushes you to do something better too. Yeah, yeah. You just you want to not feel humiliated when you listen to something you created. So. Yeah, and you don't want to make something that sucks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's you know for your own personal uh, you know sort of imp- you know impetus. You want to you want to keep things moving forward and 
do better so you don't feel like you failed somehow. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's like the biggest fear is make something that people are just like, eh, yeah, you missed it. Or mainly how I, for me personally, it's like something that I can hang with. Like I'm like, man, I don't know. Like I, you know, like, like I, I didn't like the way I sang that. Or those those words were, were, you know, kind of. I feel uncomfortable now because like you know somebody wrote or whatever, you know, or I, I made a mistake or something like that. Or to play something really tight. There's a looseness I was wasn't trying to go for. Yeah. So um, once again, like what's the way I want to run through all the sure, data, sure, like the yeah. website, you know, all that sort of so how people can get get to you and. and Know, check this thing out and you know hopefully uh you know get a good shirt or a dvd or whatever you know, yeah so definitely run, through, so run, like, run it down website is landfallfilm.com um another cool thing there we actually cool little like widget thing and that i did i did the website too like this was oh. everything for it like did website shot edit everything Damn. so it's just we did uh we've got a list of all the music that we use oh cool right on the homepage there nice. so it's like even if you just want to go there and listen to music and be like, all right, cool. Or like, nah, I think, cool. Um, but you can go to the site, you can either buy it there now for DVD, Blu-ray. Um, again, all the money from that goes to Jetty Rock Foundation. Uh, T-shirts there too. Um, trailer, teaser there as well. Uh, also, if you go to Vimeo and probably search Landfall, The Eyes of Sandy, probably pop up or if you just Google that it should pop up okay. for trailers um, Facebook now that would that be it, it would be a uh... Facebook is Landfall the Eyes of Sandy okay that's our page um, trailer and stuff's there all the info I just sprouted is there too um, and again like yeah like uh, you can Facebook uh, like Twitter I think Landfall Film at Landfall Films at Landfall Twitter. Films Films. As well, okay. yeah. at, at Landfall film. yeah. Okay. Um, that's there too. Um, and if you hit <clears throat> any of those up, you're actually talking to me. So cool. I look forward to talking to people. So yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. If you want to see it, I'll make sure you see it somehow, some way. And um, or if even if like you just want to reach out and help, I can point you in the right direction uh, to people that could use help. Um, they're Putting things out there that people need. That. <laughs> yeah, you know, Jersey's always been home to a lot of great bands. You know, personal mm-hmm. friends. Yeah. You know, what I mean, there's Dave Whitty, Human Remains, Discordance Access, uh, you know, Rorschach, the great Joey Coco Diaz, one of the funniest comedians alive, <laughs> is a uh, Jersey native, and uh, the list goes on and on. So yeah, you know, anyone I think all who the likes stuff generates from Jersey. Yeah, man, if you're a fan, a fan of extreme music, man, you should support yeah. anything New Jersey. So Nothing against the other states. Right? <laughs> I love them, too, but yeah. it's, I think New Jersey's got it. Uh, there's something in the water. <laughs> All right, Drew, so thanks a lot. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. All right, take care.